0: good afternoon and welcome. Our first song this afternoon, 943. 943. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to 892, 892. After this song, we'll have our scripture reading and prayer.
1: The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Right.
2: The scripture reading will be from Matthew, the 6th chapter, verses 5 and 6. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut the door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret. And thy Father, which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly and let us pray our father which art in heaven we thank you that you have given us another day thank you for the opportunities to assemble here and to worship you and father we pray that our worship service is pleasing to you father we thank you for your son jesus and his death on the cross and what that means to us and the shedding of his blood the forgiveness of our sins that we have through obeying your word. Father, at this time, we pray that you'll be with the sick, and there are just so many on our hearts and so many in our congregation and our sister congregations. We just pray, Father, that you will reach out and bless them, comfort them, and be your will that you will heal them of their sicknesses. Father, we pray that you will be with the congregation here and bless each and every member. Just give us strength and help us, Father, to be the examples we need to be and to serve you each day. Be with our elders, be with our deacons, be with our ministers. Father, we just pray that you will give them wisdom and knowledge and help them to fulfill your word. Father, we pray at this time you'll be with our country and our leaders and just so much going on in this world and the situation we're in. Father, we just pray that you will help our Congress and our lawmakers to just look to your word for the guidance and the decisions that they need to make and that this country can head back toward you being our God and our leader. We pray for the situation in Israel and the Ukraine and just the, all the countries surrounding there. Father, we know that evil's around and we know that evil's going to be in this world until we this world ends and that you come back and that's whenever the evil will be put in its place and it we can have that home in heaven with you. And we just pray that you'll bless our allies and those that are involved in all this fighting and be with our military men and women and keep them safe. God bless us each day and be with us on through this sermon or through this uh, service. And Chris, as he brings the sermon to us, and we just pray that you'll be with us each day of our lives. When you are finished with us, give us a peaceful hour in which to depart this earth and give us that home in heaven with you. We'll be praying in Christ's name. And amen. amen. <clears throat> Next song,
0: 883, 883. Seek ye first the kingdom of
1: God and his righteousness.
0: Nine hundred eighty nine. Nine eighty nine. If you can't please, let's stand as we sing this song. You are my strength when I am.
1: to camp. my heart.
3: topic is one of the ones that we could talk about from now until the end of the year, two, three years from now, (laughs) and it'd still be beneficial for us. This is a a topic we keep on coming back to in faith, and and it's just uh, something that we need to know how to do. We need to know how to do it well, and a lot of us struggle with it. Even though we've talked about it for so long, um, we still find thoughts on this topic, on prayer, beneficial, don't we? Um, I want to know how to do it, and I want to know how to do it well. Uh, the passage that Jim read for you this, this afternoon, we've talked about this in the past, right? Twelve good Jewish men who knew how to pray walked up to Jesus and asked Him to teach them how to pray like He prays. They saw something significant in His prayer left that was missing in their own, and so they wanted an intimacy with the Father and, like He has. Um, Jesus could spend all night in prayer. You ever spent all night in prayer? Jesus had that intimacy, that relationship, that fervor, that power in prayer. These guys saw it, although they had grown up praying. Their moms and dads taught them how to pray, just like we teach our children how to pray. They would have prayed the Psalms, right? They would have prayed um, prayers like what we pray uh, on a more individualized basis. But something in Jesus' prayer life was special to them and and noticeable by them. And so they wanted him to teach them to pray like he prayed. So today we're going to talk about four different things that are helpful for us as we pray. Uh, And just they start with, they they form the word pray. Uh, So maybe that'll help you remember uh, these points. The first one is a prayer is a panacea, isn't it? Uh, It's a remedy or or, uh, a medicine. Uh, that makes our our difficulties and our woes disappear. Prayer has that ability, doesn't it? You see that with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Luke chapter 22, Jesus is distraught. Uh, This is as distraught as he's ever been in his life. Um, He knows what's coming. He can see the cross in his near future. Uh, And really, this is the last opportunity for the Father to intervene and to take this type of death away from him, to make this situation different, to alleviate the upcoming suffering, to, to choose a different way. This is the last opportunity for that to happen in, in the Garden, and we know that he's so stressed out. Luke tells us that uh, great tears, like sweat drops are, are coming down his face. He, he's broken the capillaries in his in his in his eyes, and and. And now he's, he's crying blood. And that is a stress response. It's, it's still possible, of course, today. If you were under such incredible stress, you might experience something like this today. People have, have uh, recorded uh, this, this um, medical condition today. But he, he's under that type of stress. And what does he do? He doesn't go seek out his best friend, right? Well, I suppose he does. He, speaks, he seeks out the three, right? Peter, James, and John are, I don't know, for lack of a better way to think about it, they are his most intimate, most trusted disciples. They are his best friend. We, we know from John's gospel that John is, he calls himself the disciple that Jesus loved. And so he shares a special relationship with these three men that he doesn't share with the, other, the rest of the twelve, and he doesn't share with any of the other disciples uh, and so when he goes to these three friends, his best friends, he doesn't talk the situation over with them, does he? He doesn't ask for their advice or their counsel. What does he do? He pleads with them to pray for him. And then he himself goes, the Bible says about a stone's throw away, and he prays for himself. Prayer is a panacea. It provides us such incredible relief, doesn't it? In Psalms You'll find something similar. In Psalm 22, in fact, in verse 1, Jesus quotes this psalm on the cross, doesn't he? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He says it in Arabic, Eli, Eli, Lama which in Hebrew means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's pointing us back to this psalm in Psalm 22, and it talks about a lot throughout its verses, talks about his crucifixion. And it's just one more way of him trying to point. People to the fact that He is the Messiah. That though this might not be the way that they would think about a Messiah suffering and dying on their behalf, it, it's what God has chosen and it's in fact what He's always been prophesying about. This has been the plan from the beginning. So He points us back to Psalm 22 using that verse. But even before then, even before Jesus takes that psalm on His own lips, you find that psalm on David's lips. You find that prayer on David's lips when he feels betrayed by God and he's looking for comfort because he's afraid or because he's hurt. Prayer has that ability still today, doesn't it? And we find in it a panacea. And so we run to prayer. And you don't have to look far uh, throughout the Psalms especially to be able to find this this power, the power of prayer. It has that effect on us, doesn't it? And if you've ever gotten the diagnosis, or if you've ever gotten a heartbreak, or if you've ever dealt with anything like that where you've been hurting, the answer is prayer, isn't it? There, there's not other answers. If you want relief, this is where you go to because he's got the answers. Psalm 55 verse 17 says, Evening and morning and at noon I I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. That's that's the promise. The promise is not that he's going to take all these things away from you. The promise is not that he's going to fix all these things. The promise is that he hears. Right? It's not that he's going to take everything away and that he's he's going to make your life without hurt and without problem. That's not the prayer, or that's not the answer. That's not the promise. The promise is that when those things happen and you cry out to him, he hears you. There's incredible power there, isn't there? There's an incredible relief there. That as I hurt, I get to take my pain to the one who can fix it. And whether he fixes it like I think he should... (laughs) Or whether he fixes it like he thinks he should—that's a different question. But the relief is, they are in prayer nonetheless, isn't it? It's a panacea. Look in Psalm nineteen or one nineteen, verse sixty-two—a passage that is all about. It's consumed with uh, the word, with, with the Bible. Psalm one nineteen is is all about Scripture and, and how good it is, and how uh, God's person ought to delight in it. You find. Here, um, the, the idea of, of prayer. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. How many times do you wake up at midnight and praise or pray or thank, or thank God for something? The psalmist says he does it in the morning, he does it in the evening, and he does it at noontime. Uh, 119 says he does it at midnight. These things are... Things that keep us awake at night, and prayer is really the only answer. It's the only solution. It's where we find relief. You ever been burned? Maybe you touched the stove when you were little. Um, a couple of years ago, we were we were camping, um, and uh, we've got marshmallows. I think this was at uh, uh, the one in uh, Toledo, Manatee, Manatee, Manatee. No, mommy. Mommy Bay State Park, haha, ha, knew it would get there. Okay, so I think it was there, uh, but we're, we've got marshmallows and we're roasting marshmallows there, and it's a really cool campground, and we're having a good time. And Abby's got her marshmallow, and it's on it's on that big long stick, so she doesn't burn herself, right? Um, but that thing gets on fire, and she's little, and so she doesn't know what to do with a marshmallow on fire, so she's just whipping it around like this, <laughs> and the fire goes out, but the marshmallow slips off the off the stick. And Titus is a good big brother, so he doesn't want her marshmallow to fall to the ground and her not be able to eat, so he grabs it. And his, that hot marshmallow gets all over his hands, ah, and it was awful, right? Ethan did the same thing uh, when we were at Lake Vesuvius. You know, you know what Kelly did? He got uh, water and poured it over his hands, and the relief was instantaneous. That's what prayer does for us. It, it soothes over those hurts, soothes over those pains. It's a panacea. It's a relief. And you know that. Don't you? Because we've all experienced that with prayer. When we hurt, that's where we run to. While the world, while some of your friends who aren't as steeped in Scripture, they're going to tell you to run to other places. But there's no strength there, is there? There's no power. There's no relief there. The relief is found only in prayer. Because he's the one who can help. Prayer is a panacea. That's what the P in prayer stands for, is panacea. So they are, you need to pray radical prayers. If you got your Bibles, turn to James chapter 5. You're familiar with verse 16, of course. He says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. But if you look in your Bibles, the verse I don't have on the screen behind me for you is talking about Elijah, isn't it? And Elijah, he's a guy that's just like us. He has a nature, I think is how the Bible says it, just like ours. There's nothing special about Elijah. He doesn't have any special powers, although he does have miraculous ability, thanks to, to God's gift, uh, gifting, gifting him in that way. But his nature is just like ours. He's no different than you, but he prays that it doesn't rain. And it really doesn't rain for three and a half years. That's weird, isn't it? Look at the power in prayer. He prays something radical in an attempt to prove that God is real, that He alone has the power to conduct nature, to to fiddle with all the things that man has up in the air to to um, to, to 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 affect the way people govern specifically in Elijah's case, to affect the way that Israel is being governed by a wicked king in the hopes that this wicked king will turn his heart back to God. He doesn't. The king's name is Ahab, and he's refusing to turn his heart back to God. But Elijah prays, and it doesn't rain for three and a half years. Then all of a sudden he prays, and you know what happens? Downpours. There's great power in prayer. You need to take advantage of that. I need to take advantage of that. You need to pray radical prayers. Big, radical, wild, all-consuming, unimaginable prayers. In fact, what does Paul pray for the church in Ephesus? That you would begin to grasp the the width and the depth and the breadth of God's love for you. It's a pretty big prayer, isn't it? Earlier on in the book of Ephesians, he's going to pray that... Everyone be built up in love in Ephesians 4.11, right? The Bible is full of these massive prayers that are, to a human mind, unconquerable. That thing cannot happen. But with God, Paul reminds us in, Ephesians, in Philippians 4, all things are possible. This is the kind of thing he's talking about. You want your neighbor to come to Christ? You better start praying for them. You want a more disciplined study life yourself? You better start praying for it. You want your children to be faithful? You better start praying for them. You want big opportunities for evangelism? You better start praying for them. Find the most radical, wild idea that brings glory to God and start praying for it. Can this church double in size by next year? Absolutely. We've changed so much in the five years that I've been here. There's not a doubt in my mind we can double in size by this time next year. Have you prayed for that? It's a big prayer, right? What about, can all the, all the members here, can we all, go deeper in our Bible study, in our prayer, in our devotion, in our attendance, in our our servanthood? Can, Can we all dive a little deeper? Have you prayed for that? These big prayers that are unconquerable, unachievable by human means, those are his favorite type prayers. He listens to all prayers, right? But I think he's got favorite prayers. The ones that are, unachievable on your own. So what's he tell Paul in 2 Corinthians 11? That his strength is made perfect in Paul's weakness. He likes to draw that out so that people can see his power. Because you couldn't accomplish this on your own. Fifteen people couldn't accomplish this on their own. A whole congregation of people could not have gotten to this goal on their own. But when they pray, when we pray for things like this, He can do some incredible, astounding things. Do you believe that? Have you prayed for it? Because if you believe it, why haven't you prayed for it? The biggest prayer possible is the one that you need to be praying. The thing that you think, oh, that's crazy. Like, I'm I'm happy, I'm content to pray for those who are sick. Those are things that we should pray for. I'm content to pray uh, prayers of thanks and praise. Those are things that we should be praying for, right? Those are good things to pray for. But we need radical prayers, too big, all-consuming, unachievable, by human means prayers. Those are things that he delights to answer. So the R in prayer stands for radical a in prayers actively um, Jesus tells this story uh, in in the Gospels uh, in Luke 18 <clears throat> about this woman uh, she is demanding justice from her local magistrate and the guy just refuses to give her justice uh, he doesn't care anything about God he doesn't he's not he's not swayed by uh, a, a moral uh, argument he, he just doesn't care. He's one of those guys. You, you know those guys. He just doesn't care. Um, well, this is what God wants you to do. Uh, he doesn't care anything about God. So that, that doesn't hold any sway over him. He also isn't intimidated by people. You, you can't go over this guy's head. He, he's the boss. And so he doesn't care anything about man or God. And so this woman's demand for justice goes right out in one ear and right out the other. He just doesn't care. Um, Why is she heard? Why does he give her justice? Because she is persistently pursuing him, demanding justice. And she pesters this judge so much that he finally gives her what she wants. Jesus isn't saying that God does that in prayer. He's teaching you to be persistent in prayer. In fact, if you grab your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 18. I want you to see something else there. Luke 18, where Jesus records this parable. It's not the only parable he talks about, uh, prayer, in this passage. Luke chapter 18. When he teaches this parable, in fact, if you look at the opening verses, in verse 1 he says, He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Have you ever prayed for something like this woman seeking justice? Have you ever prayed for something like that so consistently? and, And finally you're just like... Feel like I'm I'm just talking to myself. I don't I don't feel like there's this isn't going anywhere. That I haven't received any answers. I'm it, it's a little frustrating, isn't it? Jesus knew exactly what that was like, right? Because he did that in, in Gethsemane. At least in Gethsemane. We know he did it in Gethsemane. We'll talk more about that in just a second. But we know that he did that, that he felt like his prayers weren't. Maybe not that his prayers weren't being answered, but he keeps coming back to this idea. And so he knows that when you're praying something over and over and over again, you start feeling a little dejected, don't you? So he, he includes this last little bit that you ought always to pray and not lose heart. You don't lose courage. You keep going. You keep going back to this well because this is the only place where solutions can be found. You can't find help anywhere else. He's the only one who has the power and is willing to help. So can, there's nowhere else to go. And so you pray actively. That's, that's the A in pray. You pray actively. Paul would put it like this in First Thessalonians 5, verse 17. You pray without ceasing. It's all the time. You don't ever stop. In First Thessalonians 5, right around this passage in 16 to 20 or so, uh, he, he gives you things that you ought always to be doing. Um, you, you don't ever stop doing these things And prayer. is one of those things that you should never stop doing. In fact, in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 12, we read of one of the times when Jesus spends all night in prayer. Do you know what he's doing the next day? You ever thought about it? He spends all night in prayer. What's he doing the next day? Because like, if I'm spending all night in prayer, whatever is coming up the next day is a big deal to me. So what's he doing the next day? In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, he spends all night in prayer. The next day he gets up, and you know what he does? He appoints the 12 apostles, the guys who are going to share his truth with the world once he's gone. He picks them. Jesus has got a little bit of a one over on us there because he's God and he can see through people's hearts. He knows how all this is going to turn out, but he still spends all night in prayer. He knew when he picked Judas what Judas would do, but he still spends all night in prayer. What's he doing? Well, I think he's getting on the same page with the Father. I think he's spending twelve hours in prayer so that he can think like the Father thinks. If he needs to do that, better believe we need to do it too. Our prayer life needs to be active, not dejected and, and shriveled, but vibrant, constant. Um, David will spend all night in prayer in Second Samuel chapter twelve for his unborn or for his newborn baby, the one he has with Bathsheba. You remember the story; um, the baby will end up dying. But what happens? In between the time when Bathsheba gives birth and, the, and David gets word of the baby's death, he's praying. He spends that whole night in prayer. And it's constant. It's active. Our prayer life needs to be more like that. It needs to be more active. Finally, the why uh, in, in prayer is for Yahweh. We don't need to forget who we're praying to. Prayer is, of course, a panacea. We need to have radical prayers. They need to be active, constant. But we also need to remember who it is that we're praying to. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 5, we talked about this morning uh, in our Bible class about how Moses met God. He met Yahweh there in the burning bush. And and Yahweh tells him to take off his shoes because where he's standing is holy ground. Sometimes we forget who it is that we're praying to, if that's possible. Sometimes we, when we pray, it's not always at the, on the forefront of our mind. I bet it was on the very tip of Moses' mind as he's standing there in front of the burning bush that's not being consumed and there's a voice. John would say when he records Jesus' voice in Revelation like that of churning waters, like a raging ramp, uh, like white water. I don't know what his voice sounded like in, in the burning bush, but that's how John would characterize it in, in the book of Revelation. And so I think it's right on the tip of Moses' mind. He, he knows, it's clear who he's talking to. Sometimes we forget who we're talking to in prayer. Not only the power that he has, but the respect that we ought to have as we come to him. In Matthew chapter 6, a passage Jim read for you uh, this afternoon, uh, Jesus starts off his prayer. Right after the passage Jim read for you, he starts off when he's teaching the disciples how to pray. He says in his opening lines, do you remember? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Jim mentioned that in his own prayer. That that idea of respect, of, of, of humility when we come to him is necessary. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 5. I don't know if you've ever seen this verse or not, but if you haven't, um, this is a Bit of a surprise for you, maybe. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. If you never thought about this verse, you, you probably need to grab a pen um, because there's there's some interesting things that are going on right here. Hebrews chapter five, verse seven. The Hebrew writer says, In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. When does that happen? We know the exact moment that the Hebrew writer is talking about. He's talking about the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the only time when Jesus was crying out to God to save him from death. We we know what he's talking about, the moment in history that the Hebrew writer is talking about. What did God say to that prayer? He told him no, didn't he? When Paul is going to pray in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, about that thorn in his flesh, what's Paul's answer? He, he seeks the Lord three on three different occasions to take this thing away from him. You'd be hard-pressed to find a better guy than Paul, right? A better, more devoted, devout person than Paul. A man who is as in sync with God as any of us over history has been. I think that's a fair statement. Be hard pressed to find a harder worker for the Lord. Certainly, if anybody's gonna be on the same page with God, excluding Jesus, it's going to be Paul, you would imagine, right? So, certainly, if Paul asks for something, might God say yes? He doesn't. In 2 Corinthians 12, he says unequivocally, three occasions, no. I will not do that. I will not give you, I will not say yes to this prayer. Because, like we said earlier, His strength is made perfect in Paul's weakness. And he's trying to prove a point to Paul and to everyone around Paul that God's the one who's in charge here. That God's giving the the power and the ability to make all these things happen. And and this isn't Paul. Paul's working hard. He's doing everything in his power to, to, to advance the kingdom. But it's really God's power is here. And so he says no to Paul's prayer. What's so interesting, you find it with Paul there in 2 Corinthians 12, but you find it more clearly here in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7. We didn't read the whole verse, did we? We left a bit of it out. So let's go back and find that little bit that we left out there at the end. Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death, and he was heard. Why was Jesus heard? Was it because he is God? No. That's not why the Hebrew writer says that the Father heard Him. Was it because He was sinlessly perfect? No. That's not why the Hebrew writer says the Father heard Jesus' prayer. He says He heard His prayer because of Jesus' reverence. Huh. I can't be sinlessly perfect. Messed that one up already. I can't be God. wasn't born in the right family. Um, So... I can be reverent. So, if reverence is what got Jesus's prayers heard, they can be what gets my prayers heard too. So, what's he mean by reverence? It's an interesting term. We don't we don't talk like that anymore very much, do we? But this reverence—it's it's it's, it's a, an obedience to God's will. It's a submission. That's that four-letter word we talked about this morning that people don't seem to like very much anymore. It's this idea of a submission to God's will. What, I want what you want. And if what you want hurts me, I'm willing to abide by that. Jesus was heard because he had that mindset. Mindset's important in prayer. Humility, coming to him, wanting what he wants being humble enough to not demand my way, but to own His will, to want what He wants. Not my will, but your will be done. That's why He was heard. That's why you'll be heard too. So as we think through those things in prayer that will help us pray well, maybe some of those thoughts uh, will bless you as you think about, Prayer being a panacea, praying these radical, big, God-sized prayers and doing them actively, praying for them actively, but remembering who you're talking to because you're talking to the creator of the universe who is holy, who is righteous. And so when we come, we should come reverently, but we should come. In fact, the Hebrew writer reminds us that we should come in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 16, that we should come boldly before His throne of grace. So we come, and we come humbly, and we come boldly to make our wants and wishes known. This evening, if you've not been baptized into Christ, you are outside of Him, you're outside of His family, outside of the blessings that He offers, still accountable for your sins. but That doesn't have to remain the case. You can be washed, you can have your sins cleansed, and be a part of his family, assured of your salvation. Maybe you've already made the decision and you're struggling. We want to pray for you that you can be everything that God would have you to be. Why don't you come as we stand and sing?
0: And
1: can it be?
4: Good afternoon, church family. Afternoon. A couple announcements before we are dismissed. As a reminder that this Wednesday is Stepping Stone Supper at 5.30. Mexican is on the menu. Um, if you're planning on going to the Veterans Dinner on November the 12th, uh, do not forget to sign up before you leave uh, this afternoon. Um, also, men's meetings, Saturday, November 18th at 8.30. Uh, special needs contribution and Thanksgiving food drives November 19th. Um, As a reminder that uh, Wednesday, November 22nd, there will be a devotional only, uh, no Bible class. Um, Also, if you're needing a ride to church on Sunday night or Wednesday night, uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the foliar board. Please sign that before you leave as well. Uh, Remember, continue to keep Jimmy Wilgus, Jim Haney, Jim Martin, and Chuck Davidson in the prayers as they continue with their cancer treatment. Keep Tim Hewitt, uh, Marvin, and Judy Jordan Carolyn Olin and Friday Simpson in your prayers. Remember, will continue to keep Peg and Roger Pryor and Allison Charlie in your prayers as well. Uh, that's all the announcements I have. If you had not had the opportunity to take the Lord's Supper, uh, it has been prepared in the conference room. You may leave and do that now. We'll sing one more song and be dismissed in prayer.
0: Our closing song will be number 977 977 sing this song and have our closing prayer
1: in heavenly armor will enter the land the battle belong to the lord the weapon that's fashioned against us will stand the battle belong to the Lord and we sing glory a
5: thank you for this day and uh, just ask your blessing on it. We're thankful for the message that Chris brought to us uh, this afternoon. We pray that uh, you'll help us to apply it to our lives and that we would use it in the coming days and weeks to share our faith with our friends and neighbors. We pray for this country, Father, and its leaders that uh, we might uh, seek your wisdom, Father, and uh, turn away from uh, the evil that uh, we see in this world that uh, we might come before the foot of your cross uh, uh, that we would turn this country around and uh, just serve you we pray for our sick that uh, you might bless them and comfort them father we ask that you be with their doctors give them wisdom and understanding on how to treat uh, our brothers and sisters. And we just pray that uh, you be with each one here. Father, bless uh, everyone here. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.